Hi, Pastor Greg here. I'm the pastor of the Jordan Assembly of God Church in Jordan, Montana. I'm very excited to introduce a brand new series, Jesus the Christ, the Messiah. Thank you so very much for being a part of this podcast and listening to this. I hope that you enjoy this series. So without further introduction, Jesus the Christ, the Messiah. So last week we had the prelude to this series, Jesus the Christ, the Messiah, and we're now into part one. And the title of it is Why, Where, What, How. Greg, that's not how it's supposed to go. It's supposed to go who, what, when, where, and why. Well, yeah, that's how it's supposed to go, but that's not how um, this, these notes went. And so it was very, very interesting. So have you ever tried to keep a relationship that was dying, alive? Have you ever wanted to repair what seemed was unrepairable? To bring back what was lost? Genesis chapter 1, verse 31, after he made everything, in verse 31, then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time. I pray, Lord God, that as we go through your word, as we search out you, I pray, Lord God, that you may have our hearts and minds open to listen and to understand. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, this morning I uh, started putting together, you know, actually writing down uh, my notes. And it normally takes me about an hour, maximum hour and a half, to put together what all my in... Uh, just throughout the week as God has been showing these things. And I started at 5 a.m. this morning. Three hours later, I'm just getting done. And so I'm hoping to actually get through it. I promise not to take you and keep you too long. But it's one major thought. And The whole thought behind God and the purpose of why we're here and all that foundation and laying that foundation so that we understand, okay, why did God do what he did? Why did God create what he did? Why are we here? Some questions like the prelude started talking about like these questions of how we're thinking and how important it was for belief and how belief is where we get our, our our entire like life is based on belief. A lot of people are like, well, it's based on logic. It's based on reasoning. It's based on what I can figure out. It's not based on that. We literally operate off of belief. If I believe it to be true, then that's how I live my life. And so the real major important thing for us to do is to actually live, is to live 
and understand that what we believe in is actually truth instead of just what we have reasoned to be true. You know, why am I a Christian? The Bible says that you're supposed to have an answer for that question. We should have an answer to give for the hope that is within us. So, God created the world. So why do we need a Messiah? Simple answer, sin. Now, I had a really interesting conversation with a friend of mine uh, over the week. And the minute I used the word sin, it was like, ah, they just kind of, because it, they, they felt so judge, you know, like that was being very judgmental. And they had a good point. Because as soon as you see, as soon as you hear the word sin, you automatically start categorizing certain actions and certain characteristics or certain things that people do that are you categorized as sin in your in your mind. Well, that person does this, and so that's a greater sin than this sin, and that's a greater sin than that sin. And that kind of stuff is shame, guilt, different levels, one worse than the other, which is actually the effect of sin. It's not sin. Sin is literally missing the mark when it comes to God. In today's definition, you say sin, either a person is going to feel shamed or they're going to feel like you're judging them or something like that. Sin is missing the mark when it comes to God. In today's definition, um, sin is the voluntary departure of a moral agent from a known rule or duty prescribed by God. Sin, as defined in the Bible, is to miss the mark. So when you look in the dictionary, it says when, when you don't meet a certain moral level, that's sin. And that's not what this is. God doesn't look at it and say, if you don't reach this moral level, it's a you're when you're missing the mark when it comes to that relationship with God. So, in Genesis, we read in verse in chapter one, verse thirty-one, that God created the world and saw that it was good. In Genesis chapter three, however, just a little bit while later, let me bring it up here. We have a problem. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said you shall not eat of every true tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the tree of the, of the, of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God had said you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that in that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, 
She took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. Did God do anything at that point other than walking in the garden? No. What was the one event that happened? They took and they ate of the fruit that God told them not to. As soon as that happened, Guilt and shame. Shame was instant. Guilt was instant. Fear was instant. All the people are like, well, when you say I have sinned, you're judging me. No. Their very actions are what judges them. You see what I'm saying? It's like, I know deep down when I do something wrong, I know it's wrong. It's all the excuses that I bring up in order to make what I know is wrong be right. That's where the problem lies. Oh, you're judging. No. You've already judged yourself. You already know you're guilty and you're trying to make up for that guilt, make up for that shame because you want to make what you do is right. Well, I did that because. It wasn't, and notice that it wasn't an, oh no, I sinned. It, it was an embarrassment. I'm naked. And then followed instantly. Did you notice how quickly it followed? In the verses, so he said, I heard your voice in the garden. And I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And in verse 11, he said, Who told you, and he said, Mean God, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? Then the man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. Followed instantaneously by blame somebody else. Somebody else did it. Somebody else is to blame. I... I, I, I'm not at fault. The, uh, they are. Right? You have not seen any of that ever in any indication. Right? Nowhere. Right? It's all the time. Kids do it. We do it. All the time. It's not me. Somebody else. I only did that because. Shame. Instant guilt. The history of the Bible can be summed up very simply. God created a paradise and had a close relationship. People that were created to watch and to take care of sinned. Sin separated that close relationship. And the rest of the Bible is all about God proving the need that for him and providing a way back to the relationship to get back to him. So the consequences, 
death, Genesis 3, 22 through 24. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us to know good and evil. And by the way, that means the greatest amount of good that can ever be done and the greatest amount of evil that can ever be done. The, the same people that can come up with cures for, for diseases and help people and make stuff, the same that can also be used to create the most destructive things around. The greatest amount of good and the greatest amount of evil. And now, lest he put out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out of the Garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed cherubim at the east of the Garden of Eden and a flaming sword which turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. So, did they die, which by the way, they would not have even understood what death even meant, like the serpent said? They didn't die like the way the serpent said, but they did die because honestly, based on this, God's intention, even though he knows all things, God still put that tree in the garden. Do you catch that? God created heaven and earth. God created all things. God put a tree in the middle of the garden that he said not to eat. There was the tree of life in the garden. He didn't say, I know that they're going to sin, so I'm just not even going to bother. Did you notice that? God, who knows all things, knew what was going to happen anyway, still put the tree of life in the garden. He gives us, even though he knows what we're going to do, he still provides the way. He has never left you. You have a choice. I have a choice. So death came as a result of that decision. So why? The answer to why a Messiah, the Messiah is the way back into a personal one-on-one -on -one relationship with God, the Creator. God created the heavens and the earth and had a one-on-one -on -one relationship with them. Man sinned, separating themselves. God didn't separate it. They separated themselves. We are born into that sin, and that separates us. So God, God wants that one-on-one -on -one relationship with every single one of us, and so he provided a way back. So why the Messiah? That's why. Sin is the reason for the separation. The law, the Torah that was, that was handed down, is God's written right and wrong. And Jesus summed this up in Matthew 22, 37 through 40. You're like, Greg, I can't memorize the whole entire law. Okay, I got it. Turns out Jesus made it as simple as possible. I'm going to go a little bit. 
above. I'm going to start in verse 34. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Verse 35. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So if you want to know the law, I don't know every single piece of the law. Okay, ask yourself a question. Are you loving God with your, with your actions? First question. Second question. Is what you're doing showing love to one another? Now, there are times to be blunt. There are times when you have to be very honest with people. Do you have to do it rudely? No. Is it all the time? No. Is how you're operating, even if the information that you're giving, very important for them to know, how are you giving that information? So, really quick question. Are you showing love to God in your actions? And are you loving one another by your words and your actions? I can do this because I have every right to do that. Okay, I'm not going to argue that you have the right to do that. Here's a question, though, a little side note. Is it going to be rude to the person that you're doing it to? I can't answer that situation. I don't know every single situation, but I do know that that is a question that you should be asking yourself before you go off and do something. Is it going to be rude to my mom? Is it going to be rude to my dad? Is it, I don't care how old you are. Do I need to show respect for my mom right now? Yeah. Is she anywhere near me? No. Am I going to get in trouble by her? No. Do I need to show respect for my mom? Yes. My mom, my grandma, my grandpa. My dad. Doesn't matter how old you are. So, sin is the reason. The law is the written right and wrong. And Jesus summed that up for us. And the Messiah is the answer. The people's definition of the Messiah a lot of times you'll hear is based on the situation that they're in. Well, Messiah is going to save me from whatever situation that I'm in. And that, and that is basically making the Messiah the answer to your problem. The Messiah is not the answer to your problem. The Messiah is God's answer to the world's problem. To our problem that we don't even understand. My problems, every single thing that's going on, uh, are my arguments with, in, you know, with my wife, or if there's problems that are going on with my friends, or there's people talking about me, or there's things happening, or whatever, and I'm like, what's the answer? The Messiah is the answer for where I direct my focus. 
Because if I'm looking at all around, I'm always going to have that. I'm always going to have issues that are going on. There's always going to be problems that are going on. How is God answering those questions? He answered those questions by getting my relationship back with him so that I can have a one-on-one -on -one relationship with him. That's the importance. Stop focusing on all the problems that are going on and start focusing on the solution that is provided. Because when you have that one-on-one -on -one relationship, it makes it a lot easier to look at the other people and start showing love. Because now you're not showing love based on your feelings, but you're showing love based on how you know God loves you. And you operate on that. The Messiah is the answer. Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah is the answer to that problem. So where? Where does Christianity come from? Where does Jesus come from or the thought process behind it? Where does the Messiah come from? This comes from prophecy. Okay? So the very next sta statement is then what? So we have the why. Sin is the reason. We have the where does it come from? Where does Christianity come from? comes through prophecy. Then what in the world is prophecy? Prophecy, today's definition, if you were to look in the dictionary right now, if you go into the library and you grab a, a, a dictionary right now and you were to look up the word prophecy, this is what it would say. An inspired utterance of a prophet. The inspired utterance of a prophet. The function or vocation of a prophet. Specifically, the inspired de declaration of divine will and purpose. You're like, ah, that's a whole lot of words. In 1828, this was the definition of prophecy. A foretelling prediction, a declaration of something to come. And I quote this from the 1828 dictionary. And if you're questioning it, I have a book right over there that you can look it up. It's what it says. As God only knows future events, with certainty, no being but God or some person informed by him can utter a real prophecy. The prophecies recorded in Scripture, this, I'm still quoting, by the way. I'm still quoting the dictionary. Dictionary. The prophecies recorded in Scripture when fulfilled afford most convincing evidence of the divine original of the scriptures as those who uttered the prophecies could not have foreknown the events predicted without supernatural instructions, end quote. Thinking there's some people in 1828 that understood a little bit more than some of them. That is the actual dictionary definition of prophecy. Nobody could have known without supernatural instruction. So 2 Peter 1.19, which by the way is a verse that's quoted in the dictionary. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. 
not of private interpretation. Did you know this is not really listened to? How many religions are, let me define what this means, quote unquote, only I or we know the truth. No, there's only one truth, and that is Jesus the Christ, the Messiah. That's the truth. He is the way, the truth, and the life. So it's no private interpretation. If you, can, if you have to come up with an interpretation, that's a private interpretation. Jesus is not a private interpretation. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus isn't a, well, I think it this way, but it might be this way. No, Jesus came, died on the cross for our sins, for the very sin that separated us as a relationship with God so that we might have that one-on-one -on -one personal relationship with God. Now, can you disagree with it? Yes. Can you, can you not choose not to believe it? That's freedom of choice. But can you interpret it in different ways, like there's different ways to get to God and there's different ways to serve? No. There is no private interpretation. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Period. That's salvation. Why? So that we might have that one-on-one -on -one personal relationship with God. Is there benefits right now to serving God and following after God? Oh, yes, totally. Change of life, change of heart, being able to look in the mirror and actually say, I love what God has done in my life. Yes, totally. You got that one down pat. But from the outside looking in, you're not going to understand that. You're not going to grasp that. And so you may be just like, well, what's my all-time all goal? What's my all-time benefit? Well, that would be eternity. Do you care about what happens after you die? Because if you do, you really should consider who is, going, who is the judge of a person's heart and soul. Not one of the 12 disciples said, follow me. Rather, they said, follow Jesus. So why God wants to have a relationship with you? Where does it come from? The prophetic word of God, not individual interpretation. What is prophecy? God revealed future or past events. How? By following after the Christ, the Messiah, the answer. Not to our problems, nor our questions. Rather, God, God's answer to the problem we created, that broken relationship with God. Just a little note. This is the reason why people, or there are people who are actively trying to remove God from the equation. Oh, God didn't create the world. Something else happened. But if you remove God out of the equation, then you literally do remove a lot of the reason and a lot of the hope to even be around. I'm just saying. And you remove hope.
Did you know that every single prisoner that I've ever talked to that was a prisoner of war, when they actually stated that the reason why they survived is because of only one thing, they didn't give up hope. Maybe it might be a very important reason why Paul brings up the hope of salvation. That Jesus Christ is the hope because he is the way, the truth, and the life. Don't give up hope. The very whole foundation of Messiah, eternity, and heaven, and all that is based on the belief. Remember, belief from the prelude, what we believe is the belief in what God says is true. I believe that God created heaven and earth, and I believe that we have a purpose. I believe that every one of you has a purpose. I believe that no matter where you are or what you're doing, you have a purpose. So when you're feeling hopeless and you're feeling lost, you're feeling like there's no reason and there's no point. God has a purpose for you. Where do you find that? In a relationship with Jesus. What's it going to look like? I don't know. That is that walk that you have with God through Jesus that nobody can tell you. But you have a decision to make. Do you believe that what God says is true. Not what other people felt or feel or the individual interpretation of other people. Do you believe that what God says is true? And if so, I hope you find your answer in Jesus because he is the way, the truth, and the life. It's not about believing in one thing or another. Not about one religion or another. Rather, do you believe in what God, the creator of heaven and earth, says? And do you believe in the answer that is given? That while we were yet sinners, God sent his son to die on the cross for us. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time. I pray, Lord God, as we continue this journey, as we continue this walk, that, Lord God, we may follow after you, that we may pursue you, in all things and in all ways. I thank you, Lord God, for everything you're doing and who you are. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast and taking the time. I hope that you enjoyed this series. If you would like to follow this podcast as well as other podcasts, you may go to agjordanmt.com. I hope you have a wonderful day.